today's reading is from 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. And that can be found on page 1160, 1160. Our heavenly dwelling. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we will have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we were in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident to know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due to him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks very much for the reading, Ros. As somebody said before the service, we got a visiting speaker today. I said, oh, thank goodness, I thought it was me. <laughs> so we're in this series then on life and death questions, and we've come up to number four in the series, how can I prepare for my future? Uh, yes, we've got the right slide and everything, so that's all good. I was shocked, confused and bewildered as I entered heaven's door not by its wonderful beauty, nor the lights, nor its decor. But it was the folks that you found there who've made me gasp and splutter, the thieves, the liars and sinners that set my heart aflutter. There was a guy from my first school. He stole my lunch money twice. Next to him was my old neighbor who never said anything nice. I nudged Jesus to ask him the reason. I wanted to know his take. How did all these sinners get here? He must have made a mistake. And why is everyone so quiet, so somber? Give me a clue. Hush, child, they're suffering from shock. No one expected to see you. <laughs> None of us who gets there is deserving. We saved by grace through faith, are we not? Uh, so can I have the second uh, slide, please? So, back to my question, how can we prepare for the future? So, uh, in Matthew 6, verse 19 and following, Jesus uh, warns us what to avoid. He says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. And 1 Timothy 6, verse 7 says, We brought nothing into this world, and not, we cannot take anything out of it. And the Egyptian pharaohs are proof of that. All the stuff that they set up for the future life has either been stolen or is in museums. 
But, and but, there is something that goes before us. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So our reading that we just had from 2 Corinthians remind us that we face judgment, and it's to be based on whether we've done good or bad here on earth. And in 1 Timothy, he fleshes this out a little bit more. Uh, St. Paul, uh, 1 Timothy 6, verse 18. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. Uh, Now, you might like a definition of uh, what the treasures in heaven are. And I worked very hard on that and have decided that I... Not quite sure, so I'm not going to invent it, okay? But the one thing we do know about heaven is we're going to be with the Lord. It's going to be a place of where, where all tears are wiped away, no more sorrow, no more crying. The old things have passed away. So with that in mind and the wonder of being with the Lord, uh, anything above on top of that, I can't imagine how much more wonderful it could be. So what are we to do then to prepare? So I've uh, come up with three things this morning. Choose the right gate, love the true God, and love others. So the next slide, please, then. Choose the right gate. Some of you may recognize the gate. Matthew 7 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And he also says, Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. So the picture is not the gate, but it's a gate leading to where we can learn about the gate, is it not? So John Bunyan captured this in his Pilgrim's Progress. Just a short extract. Christian arrived at the narrow gate and asked, May I now enter, though I have been an undeserving wretch? If so, I shall sing his everlasting praise. I have been informed, sir, that the way is through this gate. Are you willing to let me in? Goodwill replied, I am willing with all my heart. And with this, he opened the gate. So entry is not about our deeds, but it's about faith in Jesus and it's about grace. But the deeds are important, as we've been introduced to already. So the choice is ours which gate we go into. And many people today seem to ignore what we consider the right gate. There's a little poem from John Oxenham about finding the right way. To everyone there opens, a way and ways and a way. And the high soul treads the highway, the low soul treads the low and in between, on misty flats, the rest go to and fro. But to everyone there opens a highway and a low, and everyone decides the way their soul should go. So it's up to us to choose the gate. We all have equal opportunity. Now in uh, the reading we've had, 2 Corinthians on 5 verse 7, we read that we live by faith and not by sight. 
But I just uh, thought it was worth mentioning at this point that it's not blind faith. You know, why do you have faith in Jesus? Why are you a Christian? So could I have the next slide, please? So um, it's perhaps an unusual thing to do, but I'm going to just give you just some pointers of things to think about and that you can read on. If anybody wants a good book on all this, then uh, I can recommend something or, or ask Mark, because I'm sure he has uh, plenty of books more than me. Anyway, so things to think about, the evidence. Why, do, why am I a Christian? Why do I believe on all this stuff? Well, first, the earth itself is so been mentioned in sermons recently, it's so fine-tuned for human beings to live. All the physical content, constants uh, are just correct for us, and if one of, just one of them was out in some way, we would not be able to live here. So the earth is finely tuned, it's got wonder, it's got beauty, it's got diversity. And even human beings, we look at a sunset and see something marvellous, but do you look at one another? and see something marvellous as God's creation. You're created in God's image. We only recently know about the complexity of DNA, how absolutely mind-boggling that is. And the mind, its capability for rationality, the memory, I know some of us lose our memory, but while we've got it, it's amazing. Remembering things from childhood and all that, how's it stored? And the ingenuity of the mind, the creativity in, in art and in... Uh, in music and so on. And we have, many of us have a sense of moral values, of human worth and dignity, and a spiritual dimension. So there is a God-shaped holiness that can only be filled by God himself. Then on top of that, there's God's revelation through the history. So we have the Bible, and in the Bible we have the way that God has cared for, loved his people, and been faithful to them down the years. And in the Old Testament, we have prophecies of this coming Messiah. And in Jesus, here he comes, his exemplary life. No one could find fault with him. His uh, wonderful miracles, his power over nature. And uh, after he died and rose, and over 500 people saw him. So my goodness, that's all worth studying in detail. So what does this Jesus, then, who is the culmination of, of all, all this uh, history we've just been talking about in the Old Testament, what does this Jesus say about preparing for the future? He says two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. So if we choose the right gate, Jesus, the goal is to become more like him and learn to love God and others. And commandments are there not to be burdensome, but, and to make us legalistic, but to help us display God's character to the world and bring glory to him through our obedience. Uh, so the next slide, please. And have a little drink. I normally have coffee at this time, so... It's unusual to come here without coffee. How did I manage? So first, uh, then, love the true God. Mark 12:30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And home groups will find a question coming from that, but I'm not telling you what it is now. And the key thing is obedience. God requires obedience. And in 1 John 5:3, he says, This is love for God, 
to obey his commandments. And you remember how the prophet Samuel told Saul, he said that Saul had disobeyed what God had required. And Samuel said to Saul, to obey is better than sacrifice. Sometimes we're in danger of making lesser things into gods ourselves. And if we want to know whether we're doing that, we need, we need myself included, need to look where we put our time, our energy and attention and affection perhaps as well. So we're created in the image of God for relationship with God. So fulfillment will only come by building up that relationship. And what's more, eventually we're going to be with God, so we need to be getting used to the idea now. Now, I was introduced to a new name over the summer. Uh, I confess I didn't know this before, but there's a little-known man of God, Ephraim the Syrian. How about that? From 300 AD, a more learned person than me told me about him. He said God has written, he said his idea was God has written two books. He's written the Bible, and the second book is Creation. And we need to look at both. So I wonder if you are enjoying both. And there's a third thing I'm going to bring in as well. So first of all then, Bible. How are you getting on with your Bible study to know God? How are you getting on with your memory verses? How are you remembering Psalm 24 verse 1? Anybody remember that? Huh? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Yes? The world and all who live in it, yes, for he founded it upon the seas and established it on the waters. Very good. Very good. So Bible is very important. Day by day we need to be feeding on God's word. And uh, I liked the word of Bernadette Farrell's song where she said, Your words are spirit and life, O Lord, richer than gold, stronger than death. Your words are spirit and life, O Lord, life everlasting. So the book, we need to be concentrating on the word, but also creation. Uh, do you enjoy being out in nature? Uh, even non-Christians know that it's healthful to you, and not surprising because it was created by God. In the summer, I had a day out uh, with other people and met a guy who calls himself Brother Cassian. There was a Brother Cassian long ago, uh, and he's called himself after that, and spent a day in St. Columba's uh, walking around and finding God through his creation. So uh, that's something we can do. But there's another thing as well, of course, and that's to spend time with God in prayer, in worship. We've been worshipping this morning, and also in silence. I was very privileged uh, more than 20 years ago now to have a day of prayer at Guildford Cathedral to hear the Reverend Michael Main. And he introduced me to the idea of stillness with God. Uh, I'm still not good at it after 20 years' practice, but I need to be better. But stillness with God is a crucial thing which I much enjoy. And he said these words, uh, There should be in the soul halls of space, avenues of leisure, high porticos of silence where God walks. I thought that was very memorable. And uh, you've heard this, so I'm going to read now, before, but I thought it captures uh, someone on a journey with God at the beginning who has not got far with God, but the end is so passionate about God, he wants more of God. Remember our vicar, uh, Roger Derbidge, two vicars ago, said we can have as much of God 
as we want. Think about that. So he wrote this, I was slow to love you, Lord. Your age-old beauty is still as new to me. I was slow to love you. You were within me, yet I stayed outside seeking you there. In my ungodliness, I grabbed at the beautiful things of your creation. Already you were with me, but I was still far from you. The things of this world kept me away. Is that not true of many people? I did not know then that if they had not existed through you, they would not have existed at all. Then you called me, and your cry overcame my deafness. You shone out, and your light overcame my blindness. You surrounded me with your fragrance, and I breathed it in, so that now I yearn for more of you. I tasted you, and now I am hungry and thirsty for you. You touch me, and now I burn with longing for your peace. So where are you on the journey? Keep moving on. Keep moving on. And the final one, uh, final uh, thing, loving others. Now this is a horrendous word cloud. I don't know if any of you uh, uh, watch uh, House of Games. Anybody watch House of Games? Sometimes they reveal a few words at a time and uh, the, people, the contestants have to guess what it's all about. Well, I've given you what it's all about. It's about uh, loving others. So on to that in a moment. So a couple of verses then. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And Paul writes in Ephesians 2.6, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So these things below are all the characteristics that we need uh, to equip us to do the good works. Now don't uh, bother looking at the... Uh, uh, the red ones at the moment there'll be a time at the end where you can do that i just wanted you to concentrate on the three blue ones kindness compassion and uh, what's the other one forgiving forgiving okay so we'll just concentrate on those so first of all kindness a new university chancellor was advised by the retiring chancellor to always be kind to his students your A and B students may come back as lecturers or professors. Your C grade students may come back and buy you a state-of-the-art laboratory costing millions. <laughs> William Wordsworth said, the best portion of a good person's life is the little, nameless, unremembered acts of kindness. And a kind action has the potential to change the heart of an antagonist. So we need to ask the Lord to make us kind because so uh, many hearts are breaking, many people's hearts are aching and are in need of a kind word. And secondly, compassion. The ESV has loving kindness. I like, I like the word compassion, but I like loving kindness even better. When Jesus, Jesus modeled compassion, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus, you know, was especially concerned about the disadvantaged and outcasts. Women, particularly, were not well regarded at the time, but remember how Mary was uh, encouraged by Jesus sitting at his feet, which was normally only for uh, men, disciples of rabbis. He was happy for that and did lots of other things with women. The poor, uh, he... In Matthew uh, 25, is a very important, uh, very important chapter that we really need to look at. 
For there Jesus praises those who take care of the hungry, the thirsty and the stranger and um, helps those in need of clothes, the sick and the prisoners. And he said this, Whatever you did for the least of, the, of these, brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Then the unclean, you remember how he healed uh, the lepers and even touched them. The oppressors, he healed the servant of the Roman and said, I didn't find any such great faith in anybody else in Israel that you have. And even the racial enemies. Jesus met the Samaritan woman and her life was changed forever. And then the third word, forgiveness, forgiving. This is the one requirement of us. When we say the Lord's Prayer, we're asking things, but there's one requirement of us in there that we, in turn, forgive. Forgive us as we have uh, forgiven others. George Herbert said this, those who cannot forgive others destroy the bridge over which they themselves must cross. To forgive is to let somebody off the hook, and that somebody is you. So for all this, no easy task, but we need the Spirit's help, do we not? Uh, there's a song that I like which says this, Give me a heart of compassion, give me a hope for the lost, give me a passion for those who are broken and down. So we need the help of the Holy Spirit. And uh, one of my favorite verses is Romans 5, verse 5, which says, God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. And uh, in our reading, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 5, that Holy Spirit that we've been given already is like a deposit of what's to come uh, when we meet the Lord in heaven. So the Spirit's work in our lives is transforming us to be more like Jesus, reminding us of Scripture, convicting us of sin, and prompting us to do loving actions. So, three things. Choose the right gate, love the true God, and love others. And uh, Mark's now going to introduce what we're going to do next. We've got some time to reflect and have some ministry to pray into what we're hearing from God this morning uh, through John. Uh, so you've got two options for this and you can do both. Uh, you can stay sat, we're going to have some quiet music and you can be focused on the words that are on the screen or have your passage open in front of you, uh, that 2 Corinthians 5 passage and just be asking God to show you which of those things he wants to speak to you about today. Uh, we've got some space for some ministry, so I'm going to ask my prayer warriors, people who are trained in prayer ministry, to join me at the back. And if you'd like someone to just pray with you uh, and pray into this for you, we have a very simple little prayer that will pray over you. Um, so you can stand, come and join us at the back, and we will pray for you. If you feel like God is giving you a word that he might want you to share for people, do come up to me and share that, and we'll see if that's right to share with everybody. So, uh, focus on the words on the screen, focus on the passage, come up for prayer, uh, and let's pray together now. <clears throat> 